Welcome to Radio Drama Revival, the show dedicated to stories told through the medium of sound, showcasing diversity and vitality of modern audio theater. Here are your news, reviews, discussion, and of course, stories. I'm your host, Fred. Today I'm very proud to share with you my latest work done with Final Room Productions, written, directed, and produced by yours truly. Uh, it's got some excellent uh, local talent here in Portland, Maine. See, uh, Follow the Hero is a twist on the fantasy genre. It tells the story of a mighty knight who faces an enemy stronger than any ogre or dragon himself. I hope you enjoy Follow the Hero. Long ago, in a different age, there was a hero. A stately knight known through the lands as his king's hand of justice and slayer of all breeds of monsters. A proud warrior known as Sir Grace. Boy! Y- yes, my lord? Where is my steed? I commanded you to retrieve her ten minutes ago. Sorry, my lord, but you also commanded me to retrieve thy sword and shield, which I have for you now. And what did you do? Stand before the pond to see how you look while wielding them? Hand the blade to me. Uh, of course, my lord. Bring me my steed and tarry no longer. I have a date with a wizard and I shall not be late. The morning sun struck the shield and armor of Sir Grace as he stood impatiently. His coat of arms, a lion swallowing a snake, emblazoned the shield of three generations of the king's mightiest champion. His blade, Redeemer, felt ogres and wyverns. His mithril armor withstood the claws of harpies and the breath of dragons. Friend and foe alike bowed to Grace's imperturbable strength, courage, and honor. Yet today was different. In all the realms, there was only one thing that Grace feared, and that was magic users. Their power derived from a source that Grace knew must be evil. And today, he came at the beckoning of the most infamous of all, Roland Fierro de Arcanus. Ah, Nightshade, you look so strong and well this morning. She's fed, rested, and shod? Yes, my lord. Well, a penny for your troubles, then. Hey, up! Roland Fierro de Arcanus was not evil. However, his skill with the arcane and role dictated by the fates made his name one that caused the peasants to shudder. This saddened him, but he stood by his role with unwavering resolution. Good, evil, they were just opposite sides of a coin, phrases that balanced out the other in the unseen order of the universe. Roland accepted his role as mediator in the balance, forsaking human life and emotions, gaining the intangible gifts of the cosmos instead. Today he needed to test another figure that tipped the scales. While nature needs heroes as well as villains, Roland fretted that one may too easily turn into the other. Great heroes may become tyrants, and if that happened, the whole world might spiral into chaos. No one was immune from the temptation birthed from their virtue, and as Roland peered down at the road-weary hero from his looming tower, he wondered. Perhaps this will be the one. We are in great need of a messiah. creature must live here. The thick stench of rot hung in the air, radiating from a vast swamp that surrounded the narrow path Sir Grace had trod. 
In all directions were twisted trees, nodded like men stretching out in their dying poses. The monolithic tower rose at the end of the path, a single mass of slate-gray stone that disappeared into a haze of low-lying clouds. It had no doors, no windows, no distinguishing features at all. It was so unimpressive that it may have well as been remarkable. Pardon, Nightshade, but you'll need to remain here until I return. Trod not far in this evil place. Wizard! So Wilhelm Grace comes at your calling. Slayer of the dragon Zirgreed, and you lost the giant. Defender of King Herod, who has named me arm of his justice and fire of his vengeance. Damn you! I will not be taken for a fool! A door-sized chunk of wall dissolved, revealing only darkness within. I shall see you at the top, then! Who was that? is this? He pulled a torch from his rucksack, which lit of its own accord. The fire spat and danced and cast dismal shapes against the dark blue walls. The shadows grew into contorted, agonized bodies. No, no, not As Grace strode to the upward staircase, no, no, no! Glowing stacks of gold blinded Grace as he finished his ascent. Diamonds, emeralds, and rubies spilled over enormous stacks of riches that reached to the ceiling, burying gem-encrusted scepters, necklaces, and rings. I did it's all for the taking. Anything you want, it's yours. Rich is a king, an emperor, you could own your own army. A kingdom, your own kingdom. An empire, all your own. Any maiden you can imagine. The next chamber glowed red and caused Grace's blood to boil. Against the walls were naked shapes sprawled in every form of lovemaking. The air clawed him like excited hands as he staggered across the chamber. Let me fulfill all your dreams. Even the ones you won't admit. <laughs> Burn, all of you! And then, it was dark. The flame on his torch ate itself, and Grace cast it aside in disgust. Accursed magic! Grace was suddenly disoriented in this strangest of the chambers. He stood still, yet he could not help feel that he was moving, though in what direction he could not tell. He staggered forward and realized his feet were not even on the ground. Let go of me! Let go! <laughs> Stupid! Stupid little knight! I have you now! You fiendish devil! Step out so I might smite thee! You couldn't smite a roach without stabbing it in the behind, could you? <laughs> you couldn't squash a 
Watch your words, little villain. I have snapped an ogre's neck with my bare hands. Ah, where are your bare hands now? Grace stepped back a moment, having hardly noticed his shining blade, Redeemer, was in his hands. The holy, blue light illuminated a path to another stairwell, but he ignored it in a furious search for the imp. I'll skewer you and roast your hide before feeding it to rats. Rats? <laughs> I bet you know a few of them. Grace spun and the blue glow dodged off a shape darting around the circular chamber. His split-second judgment was enough to detect the speed at which the creature was trotting and aim his blade to wreck it. You must use the rats to do the dirty things no woman wants to do with you. <laughs> creature stared at Grace with features all too human as its life poured out on the black tiles. Grace threw it off his blade in a dismissive gesture. You're next, wizard. Grace ascended a staircase that wound longer and narrower than all the others. The more he walked, the more he felt that he was not moving at all, as though he were treading through quicksand. Still, he walked. He fought a feeling of vertigo as he crossed the threshold into a vast observatory with commanding views of the kingdom. Across the stone floor stood a figure shrouded in gray robes, almost a statue himself, save for golden eyes that glowed from within a heavy cow. Its stringy fingers wore no rings, carried no staves. He could imagine a skeleton supported its weight, but the voice of Roland Fierro de Arcanus was no skeleton's. I bid you greetings, Sir Grace. I have heard great things of you. Indeed. The slaying of the Chimera Maldun, or the defeat of the Trolls at Silverdale, maybe the death of the Ogre, Kargra. I have come at your call, O oh wizard, but I fear you no more than the beast I have slain in my days prior. Brave you may be, but without manners. Remember that you are a guest in my home. And what a way to treat your guests! How do you account for the trickery you've showered upon me? How do you account for the pitiless slaying of my familiar? A worthy fate that shall soon be yours, if you do not stop weaving your silvery web. As I have my answer, Sir Knight, so you shall have yours. I invited you here to test your virtue, and you have answered abundantly clear. Then... Let us dance the dance, and I shall cut you down like I did your pathetic man-thing. So be it, warrior, for time tells us your kind shall never be at harmony with magic. I shall have you by the neck. Tu lamos dikeras, mea que abros de brevo. No, no, silence. Feed and 
The knight awoke in a dim barn without dignity. He lay sprawled in a mound of hay, his ragged wounds patched but naked, save for a burlap sack that covered his loins. He leapt up, and pain roared up his side. His mind drowned with disorientation, his knees quaked. He grabbed at the burlap sack as it dropped, struggling to keep the last tatters of his pride. The door at the far end of the humble barn opened, letting in light and a fair-haired maiden, her arms heavy with a tray of fruits and oatmeal. Oh, kind sir, you have awoken at last. I had begun to worry. Where, where am I? How, how did I get here? Tell me these things, woman! My, my lord, please do not be so harsh. I have tended to you for weeks. Then you would know what has happened to my sword and my armor. No, my lord, I would not. Oh, don't play dumb with me, woman. One moment I was locked in combat with a terrible mage, moments from victory, holding the holy blade redeemer high, and the next I wake up to some poor wench in a stable. This is an outrage. Outrage, my lord. I found you a disheveled, wretched brute, naked in a ditch, and took you to the shelter of my home. Here I have slaved over you, hiding you from my father, praying that you awake. And when you do, all you have to offer me are insults and wild stories. Be gone, accursed man. Pardon me, my lady. Pray, forgive me, and let me be at your service. Let me do all that I may to reconcile my terrible words. Let me speak to my father. The maiden's father, a wiry, aging widower, was not pleased to see a ruggedly handsome man appear at his doorstep, nor to hear his daughter plead to let this man stay under their roof. Yet, the summer was coming, and he could hardly attend to the tasks around the house, let alone the farm. So, Sir Grace's accommodations in the barn were extended till harvest time. Grace soon discovered that wielding a plow and shovel was no easier than his sword and shield. With the strength of an ox, he plowed, dug, chopped, sawed, and nailed. He pulled weeds, sanded edges, sharpened rusty tools. And as he toiled in the summer sun, it was not only corn and beans that grew, but love. Though he slept on a threadbare bed and slaved in the dirt from dusk till dawn, Sir Grace was prouder than when he fought any knoll or giant. The maiden was as surprised as he with the dedication with which he fulfilled his promise, and soon they both knew that he had repaid his debt in full several times over. The father, being no fool to men and maidens, bought a fierce dog and tied it between the rooms of the two lovers. But no beast could come between hearts drunk by the September moon. <coughs> my lord. Ah, oh, my lady. What may I do for you? Keep shoveling. Don't let my father see that we've been scheming. Very well. <coughs> Have we been scheming? If we may, my lord. I was hoping that perhaps tonight we could steal away. There is a beautiful grove not far from here, where we may love by the light of the moon. And you would welcome me, sir? By any means, my lord. <clears throat> I am yours. Then shall I rouse you? Meet me by the edge of the woods, an hour after nightfall. 
I dare not bear a lantern, but I shall wait for you there. And I shan't be late. Sir Grace found it difficult to shovel for the rest of the day, and when the father looked to see what he had left unfinished, Grace could only account that the sun at last had taken a toll on him. Though Grace had yet to finish a day's work less than that of ten men, the father accepted the excuse solemnly, and they spent the remainder of the afternoon rolling dice. Through dinner, a porridge stew with lamb, Grace fought to not stare too long at the maiden and instead to be good company with her father, who was uneasy about the coming harvest time, and if he should have the hands to take down the crops which were to be thrice or more what he had grown in the past. Grace muttered an evasive answer, and the dinner ended quietly. Grace bade an early retirement to his loft in the barn. The minutes stretched on like hours as Grace impatiently paced the room, cursing himself for being so easily perturbed. He's been a good lord to me, knowing me not from a vagabond. To violate his trust would breach my honor, yet... Damn it! The woman is too sweet to resist! He agonized until the appointed time came, when he crept outside without hesitation. A half-moon lit the path to the edge of the forest, across the well-tended fields and through the tendrils of thin mist. He walked boldly through the night, but she was not there. Lady, are you out here? Don't play me as the fool. I wait where you told me. Is this some game, then? Am I meant to chase you into the forest? Very well. Lady? Lady! Where did you go? Go now. Go now. What trickery is this? My lord, are you nearby? Aye. Run, run. Grace froze as his eyes adjusted to the interior of this parcel of the woods. Just past the threshold, the trees became twisted, barren abominations, their roots knotted in damp, swampy ground. And beyond it, deeper in the forest, he could see a figure moving towards him. Curse me to the pits of the nether. The figure wore his armor and bared his naked blade, Redeemer, in a gauntleted hand. The mithril radiated glorious blue in the half-moon, yet it was hard to tell where the apparition ended and the mist began. Fiend! Those are my possessions, given to me by friends to celebrate my glorious deeds! Return them to me or you shall pay! My lord? My lord? Where are you? Who are you speaking with? He briefly glanced over his shoulder and suddenly found he had no orientation in the dim mist, only a clear line of sight to the mysterious apparition, who now stopped and stood boldly. <laughs> so be it, demon! I shall tear your throat from your neck and send you back to hell! No, my knight! He turned his head to see the maiden in a thin slip, fighting her way through the branches that clawed at her like searching hands. The slip tore off her and she stretched her arms out to him, shivering and naked in the misty night. Forget these trinkets and come to me. Let us live a simple life. Don't kill yourself for blind pride. Foolish woman, you know nothing of battle. 
See now the greatness of my glory. Grace lunged towards the figure which fought back with inhuman strength, flinging him across a snarled branch and into the mud. It swung the blade down, but Grace rolled out of the way and rose back to his feet, wielding a heavy stump. The figure swung the blade again, and Grace threw the stump solidly against its chest. The figure staggered back a moment, and Grace lunged again, this time throwing the aberration against the ground. They struggled, locked in combat like two furious rams, until Grace howled a battle cry into the air and ripped Redeemer loose from the hands of the creature. In a solid, unthinking motion, he swept the blade straight down through the figure's chest, watching as the dark, golden eyes flickered briefly before fading away. Ha-ha! My love, I have recovered my honor, my armor. Surely now you shall take my hand in marriage. You have witnessed that I am a titan among men. He turned to her, but she did not share his revelry, but stood there hugging her shivering naked body, her eyes cast to the dank earth. Then why have you fallen, Sir Grace? Dispel your toil-earned humility for avarice and pride? Do you not see who you have truly slain? Her words cut him deeper than hard steel. He looked down on his chest and groaned. Blood spat from the same spot where he sank his blade into the apparition. No. My lady. This is... This is trickery. I'm... I'm yours! His blurring vision could barely focus on her as the woods shifted into another reality altogether. The mist receded into the dank waters of a swamp. The proud trees twisted into agonized shapes and in the distance, looming over it all, was a dull gray tower. Another figure emerged from the shadows. The maiden's father, but no. It was the wizard. He placed a hand on the shoulder of the shivering maiden and met the eyes of the hero just once before glancing away. The last blood spilled from Sir Grace's body now, and as he moved to speak to the wizard, he saw in horror his arms turn to wood. His feet root themselves in the swamp waters as the moss hungrily slurped his blood. But... His last words were lost to the cry of the awakening wind. A wind which rose from the belly of the earth and spilled up across the mountains and plains, beaches and tundra. The wind echoed and danced across the land, praising the humble magician who had restored the balance once more. Apollo of the Hero was written, directed, and produced by Frederick Greenhalge. You heard Ian Carlson as the narrator, Philip Hobby as Sir Grace, Frederick Greenhalge as Squire and Voices, Corey Anderson as Roland Diarcanus, the Imp and the Apparition, Mia Perrin as Voices and the Maiden, and Andriana Colucci as Voices. Original score composed by Michael Bowden, sound effects by SoundDogs.com, and recorded live. Special thanks to WMPG, Greater Portland, Maine's community radio station. For more information on Final Rune Productions, visit us on the web, www.finalrune.com, that's F-I-N-A-L-R-U-N-E dot com.
And that was the tragic end of Follow the Hero, a lesson learned, I guess, about power, violence, and heroism. Or maybe just a fun story to hear. Uh, either way, I hope you enjoyed that twist off the regular fantasy genre conventions. Uh, anyways, you can learn more about the production, all the work I do with Final Run Productions, the voice actors and actresses, uh, the musician and the art of Simon Adams. Um, all of that's at the site, uh, www.finalrune.com, F-I-N-A-L-R-U-N-E.com. It's also set up as a blog format, so you can comment and uh, leave your criticism uh, or positive remarks maybe about that drama on that site uh you can also order the high fidelity version of this production there uh, as well as on on cd uh, in the next coming weeks i will have a cd of uh follow the hero and my late tales from williamsville uh, with a couple of other final room works snuck on there so i hope you do get the chance to visit finalroom.com and learn more about this work if you found it at all worth listening to and uh, i sure had fun putting it together so, uh, next week we'll zip to the far reaches of outer space for the exploits of the sci-fi detective trying to save the universe from an underground source of evil. But when a mysterious stranger shows up, he suddenly finds himself on the journey of, and for, his life. Uh, Dry Smoke and Whispers originally aired here at uh, WMPG in Portland, Maine, back in the 80s or 90s or so. Uh, it's now back uh, here in Portland, Oregon now. And stay tuned for the great science fiction adventure, the Shadow Man series. In the meantime, you can state your cravings for more audio stories, news, reviews, discussion at the podcast and blog, www.radiodramarevival.com. And yes, we are on the iTunes store to a search for Radio Drama Revival. That wraps it up for this show. Till next week, keep your mind and your ears open. Have a good week. <laughs>